When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we, we passed, we were almost at 110,000 new customers, active customers when, when we, it hit January. By May, we were at 175,000 customers. Welcome to another episode of Ricard on Location. I'm your host, Steve Ricard, and folks, when you spent more than 20 years of your life traveling the road, first as a crew chief in NASCAR and now as an analyst for NBC, you are bound to meet some interesting characters along the way. With Latard on Location, the goal is to bring you closer to some of these personalities I've connected with. And pre-2020, the idea was to do it on location. Now, luckily today, we have a return guest. So there has been a location recording with Steve Myers, we did it in New Hampshire. Dale Jr. joined us. So today's guest is Steve Myers, the executive vice president and executive producer of iRacing. Steve, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Am I the first uh, You're repeat it. guest? You're it. You're it. Wow, you go I on the Hall honest. of Fame, the Wall of Fame, <laughs> the Wall of Shame. You are the first repeat guest. So congratulations, perhaps, maybe. Well, I feel honored. <laughs> well, we'll see if you say that when we're done. Listen, the first conversation we had um, – I enjoyed it. We talked a lot about the, the platform, how it was created, the backstory. I thought you and Dale Jr. had some great throwbacks. So I don't think we want to relive all that, but I do want to explain it for perhaps a new listener that, that didn't catch the first podcast, iRacing. It's a platform where you can go online, you can race in a simulation-based kind of model. Give me the better description than I'm doing. Yeah, we, so we started in 2004, but we launched the product in uh, 2004. 12. So now we've been open for uh, eight years now. And, you know, we've been very successful uh, in grouping together a massive amount of people from all over the world that like to race. And, um, you know, you join iRacing, you log in and you start racing um, in, in on the oval side, you start racing in legends cars and, and street stocks on short tracks. And then on the road side, you're in uh, MX-5 uh, Mazda Cup car, and uh, you're racing in road courses uh, from all over the world. And as you kind of get into it and you start learning racing other people, you graduate up to higher levels of racing where you can eventually run in a cup car or a Formula One car or sports cars. And we have dirt racing. We have all kinds of racing uh, throughout all of the world. But What's really unique about what we do is it's all online. It's all, you just go to our website at www.iracing.com. You sign up for a membership and you're racing within 15 minutes uh, and download it right to your PC. What I love, uh, my favorite part, and I've really just started doing, I know this sounds awful because I've been a long time user, but I used to go into like the real racing that other people do. But this year, I've really converted over to the hosted races. So basically, you're allowed to go on there and host a race for all your buddies. You can leave it open. You can lock it. Me, Tim Duggar, Dale Jr. Um, there's a couple guys from the country music world out in Nashville that join us. 
it's quite a diverse group. What it does is lack a lot of driving talent other than perhaps Dale Jr. So we have a fun time, but those hosted races are an absolute blast. Um, I really think that's the coolest part. But listen, I wanted to talk to you again today because since we've talked, the world has changed, right? 2020 is this crazy, crazy world. Somehow, your Magic 8 ball got you ahead of this. Because I say this because you have two titles. You're executive vice president, which every company has, but you're also executive producer. So explain this second half of iRacing. It's more than just a platform now. You're a producer. You guys are literally generating entertainment content. Yeah, you know, and in the gaming world, um, executive producer is, um, it's traditionally you're kind of just overseeing the overall project and the direction of the project. Um, what's a little bit unique and, and what you're alluding to that's kind of happened over the last year is, um, we did a lot of television with uh, Fox Sports and, and then some with NBC as well. And that was a dramatic change. Obviously, you know, with when the pandemic hit and the NASCAR you know, world shut down, um, you know, Fox called us and said, hey, we want we, we want to do some iRacing on TV. Can we do it? And, you know, we it was 10 days from that first phone call to we did our first live uh, race on tv with mike joy and jeff gordon and uh you know all of the, the cup drivers uh racing in homestead dale jr uh, made an appearance and came uh within about 100 feet of winning the first race uh, and losing to denny hamlin right at the uh, the checker so he's uh he still kind of regrets that i think actually i mean he had the chance to be the inaugural and he and he failed miserably i forgot about that but i'm gonna start reminding him of that uh, again <laughs> uh that will be a nice one Nice one to remind them of. Just, so I need some help with this. I'm not going to lie, right? So I cover racing for NBC. I go to the booth. I see it out the window. I see it on TV. I talk in the mic. Like, I, I should know how TV's made. I don't. I talk into this magic mic and press this button, and I talk to the producers. How talk about those 10 days. Like, what all had to accomplish for you to put something that is virtually happening, virtually enjoyed, you're going to put it on terrestrial television for all of us to enjoy yeah it was uh, you know we made some very good decisions um you know probably starting two years ago with starting to build up our tools to be able to do broadcasts so as you know we've been we've been doing uh these esport broadcasts for you know 10 years now with with nascar i'm sorry i made a mistake earlier we opened the doors in 2008 uh, so we've been doing uh, these NASCAR broadcasts for, for 10 years already. So we've learned a lot of lessons about how we wanted to do, you know, the tool set that we needed to kind of do these digital, you know, online races. And so we've been, you know, really working up and building up our team to be able to do those broadcasts because, you know, as you know, every year these uh, NASCAR uh, the Coca-Cola series has gotten more and more popular uh, and we wanted to, you know, make sure that we're putting on a, at a quality product. And, and as part of that, our company has been growing over the last three years, particularly. And we built out a new office last year in the fall of last year. And one of the decisions that we made was to build out, you know, a half a million dollar broadcasting room uh, so that we could start doing all of the broadcast ourselves out of our own studio. And, and previously we'd been kind of, we had contractors and we still do have contractors and partners that are doing other broadcasts, but we were solely relying on outside help to do those broadcasts. And that single decision of building that broadcast room is the only reason why we were able to do any of that TV work, because we did everything that you saw on TV 
we were doing we were doing out of our broadcast room. So right. we have a full team of guys that have you know gone to school and are educated on, on how to do broadcasting. Uh, and so we have you know like fifteen computers in this room and a full a full board uh, like you would see in any you know TV production room. And uh, Drew Adamson, who's uh, our producer uh, um, for the for the broadcasts, um, you know, we hired him specifically just to do broadcasts. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, we we were ready, like we had everything all set, ready to go. I mean, it was just a matter of working through, you know, the procedures that, you know, how are we going to send the signal down to Fox? How are we going to tie in the, the commentators, Jeff and Mike Joy, and so that they're seeing what they want to see? I mean, as right. you know, the racing analytics guys, we worked with them to make sure that the telemetry and everything that you guys get uh, that in the booth that help you call the race, that was all the work that we did over those 10 days, just working out the process, work giving the people the tools that they needed to be able to do their jobs. And then the light went green and, you know, the checkered flag, <laughs> the, the green flag flies. And, and we were, and it was, you know, we were doing a TV show and, um, you know, it was pretty, it was really cool from my perspective. You know, I laughed, I was like an executive producer of a software company and then the pandemic hit. Now I'm an executive producer of a TV company as well. So um, it was pretty amazing. And I really, it's a, it was a team effort. It was a lot of people, um, that had pitched in and, and just dealing with logistics of getting drivers to commit and, you know, getting all of the tracks. What we were, we were moving so quickly that we were trying to update the tracks the week before it would be on TV. So we would, you know, working with SMI and ISC to get updated signage uh, so that, you know, everyone was hurting during that right, period. Right, you know, right, right, right. You know, yeah, we tracks. were talking like billboards and people that have invested in the sport that yeah. you, you, you know, you try to give back by giving them their still their correct coverage. Yeah. I mean, so everyone was hurting the tracks, the car owners, everyone. So, you know, this was a great way for people to make good on commitments that they had that were, you know, keeping their business afloat. So yeah. all throughout that entire experience, we, you know, we're updating the tracks where, you know, trying to make sure the tools that the broadcasters needs are getting implemented. It, you know, even things, suggestions like Mike Joy had a great suggestion after the first race where he was in the cockpit view and when we were in the cockpit view in the cameras that he couldn't tell who the driver was because right. it, the, the cockpits aren't, you know, um, now, as you know, like, you know, the, all the sponsors have stickers everywhere on the cockpits because there is a camera in there and we didn't have that in our, in our product. Uh, it's a pretty generic cockpit for each car. And so he, he came up with the idea of putting the driver's name on the dashboard. So we implemented that so that, when we're in car now, you can see whose car you're in because you can right. see their name on the dashboard. So it was a it was a pretty big team effort to accomplish that. And 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 really to get it done in that first 10 days was was pretty incredible. So the question I have is when was the moment you and Otto and all the other people I know up there at iRacing finally sat down, opened a beer, and were like, Can you believe we pulled this off? Like, was that was there that moment where you're like, I can't believe because I know. I mean, it was no small task. Yeah, it was 38 days later, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it oh. was crazy. We, we, we looked, I looked up, you know, looked at the calendar after it was done and we worked 38 days straight um, because it was a lot of work. You know, we would do the broadcast on Sunday and then first thing on Monday 
morning, we're starting to recruit drivers and try to figure out what the next show was going right. to be. Right. And then ultimately we ended up starting to do a show on Wednesday nights as well. And then we started doing that, the, the NBC races with the IndyCar uh, as well. So it was, it was really, we were doing three live broadcasts a week. Uh, and then in those other four days, we were doing all the work to prep, prep for those events. So uh, we literally worked like 38 days straight to accomplish all that. I don't know who sold all the higher ups on a production studio in the new office, but there had to be a day where they leaned back and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, this all this my, all that selling I did, it all paid off right here. That, whoever that was, I applaud them because it worked I, out. I, it was great. I think it was Drew. I think Drew was the one. He he actually made out quite well in the whole scenario because he looked like a hero by the end of all of it. He, well, he is. Listen, I'm wearing this. <laughs> Anybody who's listened to Latard Location, if I sound a little better, or in the screen grab of uh, him and I, of Steve and I talking on Zoom, if you notice I'm wearing these fancy new headsets, it's because I'm working with Drew. Actually, later this evening, I'll be covering um, the Coca-Cola eNASCAR iRacing series from Las Vegas. So a uh, couple races away from the playoff field being set. Um, myself, Parker Kligerman will be joining Evan and the whole team. I'm excited for that. I'm obviously a team owner, but I'm just a big fan of iRacing, but that's why I have the headset on. Um, you mentioned, I think everybody, I should say everybody. I think that the majority of listeners are going to know iRacing because of either the podcast before or because of those Fox races. Is it true? And, and maybe you can't tell me, I tried to Google it. The Fox iRacing broadcast is still the biggest esport broadcast ever. Is that fair? Yes, it's the it's the the Texas race. We did 1.36 million viewers, and it's still the the record for the the, the largest audience for a terrestrial esports in the United States. Yep. That's. I mean, you're you're talking. I mean, 1.3 million people. That's a lot of dang people. Yeah, yeah. That's well, crazy. And, what's and what's interesting too is that, as you, I think you know, that the metrics for TV are much stricter. Oh when yeah. When it comes to how how that view is is um, counted, whereas in the digital space, you know, if somebody just tunes in for five seconds, that's counted as a view. And and so if you really like compared it to what a digital broadcast is, I mean, it was it was multiple millions of people that that turned tuned in in the equivalent of the digital. Uh, world it's amazing it's amazing and those are the nascar races i i have some ones written down here that i'm a huge fan of uh, to try to give the listener a perspective of what goes on um you have the world of outlaw series you have the coke series which are the cup cars you have the whole tier system which lead to the coke series the trucks xfinity so on and so forth you have world of outlaw late models um there's a porsche series there's i mean there's so many different series Th this one though so it took me a little bit to get my brain around this. And I've talked to people that raced in it and they said, it's the coolest race ever. And that's the endurance races. So yeah. you run a 24 hour race on iRacing with drivers being in their home all over the world. So Parker Kligerman can drive in this race, get out of his car in Connecticut where he lives. And when he gets out of the virtual car, his co-driver can be anywhere in the world and get in that same car. Exactly. Yeah. It's just literally a click of a button. Uh, and it's, they're the most popular single events that we do on the service because there's so many people that can participate and people practice all year for our 24 hour Lamar or 24 hour Daytona race. And, and you're right. It's, it's really fun. Uh, you know, you, the race will start, you know, somebody will drive, uh, you know, a double stint. It's probably an hour of driving 
and they'll pull into the garage into the pit lane they'll hit the escape button on their keyboard and then you can be sitting at your your home down in north carolina and uh, click the mouse button that says drive and, and next you're in the cockpit of the car and you go out and start your double stint for your your hour of uh, of driving and it goes you know from day to night back to day so it's the the whole uh, the lighting all changes so it's very very difficult especially at night uh to do you know like the nerve 24-hour race you know is is pitch black in sections of the track and it's it's pitch black in the sim too it's hard that is uh, so awesome. people practice a lot for them and they you know i think we had i think we had eight thousand people participate in our 24 hours of daytona uh this year i wow. mean so it was a it was a ton of people uh that participated so i'm gonna host a uh i've decided this and i talked to parker about this is you ever heard of the 24-hour lemons? You know, where you're supposed oh, yeah. to get a junk. We actually had a team in one once. <laughs> okay. All right. So there you go. So I'm going to host a virtual 24-hour lemons. So we're going to pick a, a road course because I obviously I'm on the system. So I, you know, I'm going to pick a very odd road course that a lot of people don't know. And I'm going to take like the street stock, stock setup, make it drive pretty poor. And that's the 24-hour race we're going to do. Like we're going to do, you know, we're going to make it a lot of fun. Like six driver minimums. No, you know, it's going to be one of those um perhaps there'd be an adult beverage at some point there like this is going to be a fun type event i think that's what we're going to host next so you gotta have you gotta like charge for some bogeys and stuff you know Maybe oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah every toe every toe is like a you know you can you can tell all you want but every toe is a well i think we'll do it to raise for charity and every time you have to tow it's like five bucks to the charity and we'll just keep filling the bucket I think that'd yeah. work. That'd be a good idea. That'd be a good yeah. idea. Talking to Steve Myers, executive vice president, executive producer of iRacing. Uh, we talk a lot about iRacing, but before I, I forget to have this conversation with you, please tell me you're still a Pats fan through and through. I uh, definitely are. You know, and I, I hope you're as excited for the Cam uh, uh, era to start as I am because these look great to me. So, so I won't lie. Uh, I've never been a Cam fan. Mostly yeah. because I'm not a North Carolina Panthers fan, not a Charlotte Panthers fan. And, and, you know, the fans down here are obviously giving me ribs all the time. But I will say that um, I like what I see. I think Cam has been hurt longer than people think. His shoulder looks good. He's throwing the ball on target. He yeah. took some ownership, which I don't think was fair to take the ownership on the goal line loss. Like the guy made a, you know, guess what happens? It's a team that was sport. a good defensive play. Yeah, Good defensive play. You know, he could have bounced it outside. Yeah, I appreciate that. The reason I bring this up, is because I have two defectors in the family. Two defectors. <laughs> my wife and my daughter. My son is still undecided. He, ah, you know, okay, you know, I like, I like both. I like the Panthers. I like the Patriots. I like Tampa Bay. You know, he's kind of lighthearted. But my wife, the Gronk fan, she had um, requested a Tampa Bay jersey. And by the way, you can't get them. The ladies, you can get all the men's jerseys, but the ladies' Gronk jerseys are out of stock. No big shock there. That. Yeah. But I have two defectors in my house. It's it's killing me. Is she from Maine too, or is she? She's from New York, so she you know she already didn't choose. I should have not trusted her right then. Right <laughs> yeah. as soon as I knew she was from New York, as a diehard Red Sox guy, you work for a company owned by the owner of the Red Sox. I should have not trusted her right then. That's true. <laughs> oh, I knew, I knew there was something up. So that's another thing that Steve and I share is our love for New England sports. And I agree. Uh, I think the Cam Newton era, if he can stay healthy. And I put that on – I actually put that game on Josh McDaniels. That's a side note. I, I, think, I, think, I do as well. <laughs> so I put that on McDaniels. Um, and I actually think it's McDaniels' job to keep Cam healthy. That's his job. Can't run him 25 times a game. So we digress. But anyway, back to the iRacing conversation. And racing in general. Let's talk racing in general. 
because racing in gen, you know, I racing was a bubble. Racing was a bubble. They obviously overlapped because they're the same, right? The tracks, the this, that. This year, they have interwoven more than ever. I mean, they are, they, you, can't, you can't untangle them. And one great example that we've already covered was pandemic Fox races. But there's another example that, that I, I think the fans at home will be shocked to hear. And because of the pandemic, NASCAR now doesn't have practice and qualifying. And so, listen, Denny Hamlin, when he wants to get laps, as much as he likes iRacing, he's going to go to Toyota's, you know, seven or eight figure, I don't know how much it costs, not in the hundreds of thousands, in the millions, their simulator. Totally different. But there's a lot of drivers. I talked to Jeremy Clements just the other day on my podcast, and he said, the only way I prepare for a track is iRacing. I jump in and run laps. And this year, I'm going to put two on the, on, the, on the grid for you. Daytona road course and Indy road course. Did you already have them built? What would you have to do? Please tell me you just didn't get this dumb lucky again like the production road. I mean, please tell me this was all part of the plan. Yeah, so you're right. This, the, the losing practice and qualifying has created a more demand from the, the real world for a tool like ours where you can go and get some practice. And, and you're right that, you know, there's certainly a lot of the teams are getting simulator time uh, with the big uh, manufacturer simulators. Right. And uh, funny enough, though, is that after the Pro Invitational, it's been interesting to see how many teams now are a lot more interested in iRacing than they were <laughs> previously because a lot of the drivers I've heard have said that iRacing is, is closer than, than the manufacturer simulators. And uh, I won't name any names, but there's, there's one team that was so upset with the difference in performance of the uh, of the Daytona road course simulation at the manufacturer that and that ours was so much better that they they're completely changing their their outlook on potentially what they're going to use to prepare going forward and so um yes yeah, so the Daytona one was one where uh, you know, because we had the track laser scanned already um, and once we kind of heard that this was coming, it was just a matter of nascar giving us the the locations of where they were going to put the curves and and we didn't you know we we weren't kind of clued in originally that it was happening so when we heard about it you know greg hill and i we just started kind of sketching out some different ideas and greg had actually kind of already figured out what the course was going to be before they even gave us the coordinates because we we figured it would be something like the the charlotte uh, front straight chicane and, and that's yep. what they ultimately kind of went with but we were actually playing around with some different ideas and I think if we had gotten some more time I had some, we had some different ideas that we were going to probably try that we thought might have even been better uh, because I don't think that the chicane ended up being terrific in terms of passing it I, I agree really... I think it was a speed adjustment and a safety yeah. adjustment which was the goal but don't get me wrong I would have loved to have seen that with a passing zone because Charlotte yeah. is a is a I'll call it a sketchy outbreaking passing zone, which is fine. But to your point, yeah. Daytona's not quite the same. Yeah, and so so that was you know we 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 got the final measurements um, from actually Ben Kennedy himself um, that Sunday night after they were still putting the 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 curbs in, and Monday afternoon we had it out on the service so all the the drivers could um, start practicing with it because they, it was you know, it was literally that week they didn't, you know, that any of them had a chance to drive it in any of the simulators. And I don't even know if all the manufacturers had it accurate because again, it was, some of them claimed to be quite distant, quite far off in right. terms of speed. And for, the person, even, 
Well, go ahead. And, and, and when we were even testing it, we even figured out before that they announced that they were had to change the package for it, that if they didn't do something, that the back straight chicane was going to be terrifying because you were going to carry just as much speed into that chicane as you would uh, going into turn one uh, if they hadn't put that that, that front straight, uh, straight chicane yeah. in. So we, when they told us that they changed the package on it, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Now you don't need to do something on the back straight away because it was terrifyingly fast. Well, to your point, they changed to um, – it was high horsepower but low – Make sure I get this right. High downforce. Oh, excuse me, high downforce. Because normally when your horsepower goes up, downforce goes down, which is great for the ovals. You want them to slip and slide. But the drag number goes down, and they would be so fast through NASCAR 1 and 2 and down the backstretch. It's crazy. And so for the fan listening at home, I want to try to explain, you know, when you say, you know, more realistic or closer on lap times, I I, I want the fan to understand there are so many – I don't want to call them assumptions because there's math involved. But there's so much math involved tire like the tire i put that in air quotes like what the tire is really gonna act and the reason i say that is because you can go to Watkins Glen in a real car at a tire test and goodyear can put on a different set of tires and you can pick up seconds on a lap the amount of grip goes way up so for you guys to try to get this correct in the game you're all of the work you do with the math with the tire with the arrow with the surface with the curbing with i mean there you can be off a little bit on a curb one way or the other and it can affect lap time dramatically yeah, exactly. And, and that's why laser scanning is so important when it comes to the tracks, because, you know, we've we've eliminated any error in, in the in the actual surface because we have the, the data exactly perfect. Um, the, the one item that I think that you mentioned, which is like the black magic part of all simulations tires. And I, I think if you, you got Greg Stucker on here, he, he would probably even admit even Goodyear doesn't know all what the tires are really doing because it's, it's such a, you know, um, difficult idea to try to get figure out what the tire is actually doing. Um, what's so unique about what we do as a business is that, you know, even when it comes to tires, like, you know, we've gone to CalSpan to do, you know, tire uh, testing. And, you know, we've got walked in there and we go, okay, um, yeah, we want to know what the tire does at like a 45 degree angle. And like, the, like their equipment, like doesn't even. They laugh. You know, I mean, do they just laugh they, at you? You know, we actually broke it. We broke one of the machines because we had so much load on this thing because we had the tire so rotated so much. But like, you know, we need to know what happens to the car when it's backwards. You know, we need to know all of these things that mess- teams don't necessarily need to know. And so by doing all of that work to kind of build these systems and, and figure out all these different things that these cars do, it helps us get the model better in every situation. But, you know, everything you're explaining right here, you know, that's what I love. Like, this is what I've done. I've been at race chair since I was three years old. You, you know, what makes racing spectacular is you can math it and engineer it and simulate it and do all that you want. And in your world, you can control a lot of things, right? But then you still can't control the driver, which is basically my problem when I race as the driver because that's me. <laughs> but then you take all of that into the real world. And I only say this because I know I'm talking to you about iRacing, but I know how much of a race fan you are. And that is, that is racing. It is this chess match of physics against human performance, against who's willing to not be limited by this box of theoretical ideas I mean, some of the setups that Dale Jr. and I won with, if I would put it on a piece of paper, I could have gave it to my competitor and they'd be like, nope, that's not going to work. Because I would have said it until I tried. You know, that's what makes it so 
that's what makes racing so great. And I think that's what makes iRacing so great because it, it helps, in my opinion, it helps people that maybe have not been exposed to racing. You know, I wasn't racing at three because that's where my dad did. Right. You had a found a love of racing, as you know, as a young person. And that's what happened. But for the people in the world who didn't, I talk about my hosted races. We got Drew Parker. He's a country music writer. He writes country music for some of the biggest stars. Right. He doesn't know anything about racing other than he likes it. But he can get in iRacing and it's not so overwhelming. Right. You don't have a real yeah. car. You're unloading with all of these things. He can just click some boxes. We can fix the setup, which means he can't change it. And we can go race. And it's so great for people like him to experience. Yeah, and, you know, it's, racing is unique in that every other sport, you can go down to a Dick's Sporting Goods and get a glove, get a ball, get a bat, and you can go do it in your backyard. You can't do that with racing. And so this is the only way somebody that really wants to kind of learn, get a taste of what racing is, this is the only way that you can do it unless you want to go, you know, rent a car or, or go to a practice day or a school someplace. And those are, you're talking thousands of dollars to go do that. So yeah. this is, you're right, this is the... This is the Dick Sporting Goods of the racing world. Yeah, the escape button is expensive in real life. That's what I tell everybody. You know, yeah. When you wreck an iRacing, you just hit escape. When you wreck in real life, you go fix it and pay the bills. Talking with Steve Myers, executive VP, executive producer of iRacing. All right, listen, I, I, don't, I, I don't want you to um, uh, give me the Wizard of Oz here. Like, so I don't want to look behind the curtain and see all the truths. But – it, there's no way that the 2020, it's an unfortunate situation. Nobody wants to relive it. But it had to be an explosion, not just in notoriety, but in users. Have you, have, like, how much bigger is iRacing than it was a year ago? So we, we passed, we were almost at 110,000 new customers, active customers, when, when we, it hit January. By May, we were at 175,000 customers. That's, that's unbelievable. So the service, you know, this is like everybody has a great website and it crashes the day they announce it because everybody wants to be on it. How much has your own success become now a challenge, like to, to make it work for everybody? It, we, it was, we've hired so many people <laughs> during this, these last six months that we, that brand new office that we built out, we don't have space for all of them anymore. <laughs> that's so. good and listen i love this because um dale jr you know i knew about it but dale jr really introduced it to me i remember coming to your office it was probably in 2000 maybe 11 we did some voiceovers now so i don't use obviously my own voice is my own voice still available on there because if not can i record it like can i go I do another voice pack for you because that's what i want to do yeah no i think it's still there but it probably needs to be updated all right we're gonna maybe we'll sign up to, maybe we can probably do it online now i don't have to come to the yeah, office although true, it is a good yeah. it is a good reason to come uh uh, it, it's, I just am excited to see it grow. Um, I want to talk about yeah. some new tracks. A lot of buzz, new tracks. Wilkesboro and Nashville. If no, nothing more. North Wilkesboro, I'm going to give Dale Jr. the credit for, for stoking the fire of getting that one scanned. Yeah. Um, and then Nashville Fairgrounds, not the big track, is in there. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there's not a funner race than a street stock at either one of those tracks. Yeah, the um, the North Wilkesboro project was a lot of fun. You you didn't come out to that to I did. I was pre-committed that day, <laughs> and now I wish I would have came because I can assure you that I be I'm reminded all the time that I wasn't out there to help. <laughs> um, that was a really fun project because I think uh, Dale was so passionate about it, and you know, obviously he was the one that kind of started in motion. And uh, I, I, I when I saw Marcus 
uh, after all that. I said, that, that was the most expensive plane, plane to, uh, flight that uh, you've ever taken. You know, you, you, now you got your whole, I mean, we had the grounds crew from Bristol, from Charlotte, um, all, you know, all these SMI guys showed up uh, there and were there for pretty much a week uh, clearing the, the, the track, a lot of the track before we even got there. So, you know, when we did that, the move, the film with uh, the Journey Mo guys did the, the film about it. You know, what you saw us doing was basically just like, you know, finishing off the work that SMI essentially did. We're going to come in for the credit. Just get the cameras <laughs> yeah. rolling. We want the credit. We got everybody here. Dad, you need to get a shovel. Let's get the credit. Yeah, Steve Swift and his and his crew over at SMI deserve all the credit. Uh, Sonny, you know Sonny, he he was uh, he was there all week, you know, doing all the real work, and then we showed up and kind of you know did the polish on it. But it was a lot of fun because for me, I don't you know honestly, I don't get to go do that those things very often. Right. Uh, you know, I I don't um, you know I, I just don't have time to go spend you know three four five days you know doing data collection and. Um, for me, it was fun because I don't get to do it. And so just getting to go participate and, and be involved and, and cleaning the track to get it ready to scan was fun for me personally. Um, but then also just because I think uh, the reception of it and the idea that we were trying to like, you know, keep, keep this piece, piece of history uh, relevant in the digital space. Well, now, you know, anyone that wants to know what North Wilkesboro is can come experience it on iRacing. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, fairgrounds was cool too, because I think, you know, with all of the excitement, you know, everyone wanting cup to go back there, I think um, it's, you know, I didn't, you know, up, you being up here in the Northeast, I, I didn't really know anything about the track. Right. So I right. think, you know, building it and having it to the service, you know, you get a better, uh, you know, idea of why people want to see, uh, you know, one of the major you know national series go there. That's the really, uh, that's an a an area that I guess I never considered, but you're right. You know, um, as I love the ability to drive the track, some that I crew chief for, right? Like I've never driven a race car around Atlanta. I've called races there. I've set cars up there. You know, I, I think it helps me to be quite honest to drive through there and be like, Oh man, those bumps are way worse than I thought they were. Or, <laughs> or, you know, it, it gives me a firsthand experience um, to do go through different things. So I, I got, I'm going to let you go after this because I actually, like I said, I got to get to work. You're, you're, you're making me get to work tonight. I get to co cover the Coke race. I can't wait to do it. It's going to be a blast tonight. Um, how about when you see a star? See Bernard, Bernard Parler jump on there, right? An NFL guy says, man, what's up with this iRacing thing? Like, do you have someone there, you know, on social media that you're like, hey, listen, reach out to him and let's, let's try to help him along. Um, it's going to be good for the service when someone with a social media following even more importantly, someone not in racing with a social media following engages. And I have raced with him. He has joined a couple of our hosted races. And I'm going to tell you, he's all in, like fully competitive all in. But, I mean, that's got to make you feel good when you cross what I call the, the lines in sports, right? When you reach across the lines in sports and go get another sports star who has nothing to do with racing. Yeah, you know, I like to call them our spheres of influence, right? And, and um what often happens in this community is we end up all just marketing to our, to the same sphere of people. Um, and what's great about a guy like Bernard Pollard, um, other than the Tom Brady incident, which, you know, I have not discussed with him. No, uh, no, no. Listen, I just have erased it from my mind. <laughs> um, but you know, what's great about him. It's like, he brings such enthusiasm and he does such a great job on, on his videos and social media that, it's naturally contagious to want to find out more. And I think 
And because he has that different sphere of influence, it does bring in new people and it does, you know, expand our sphere, you know, for these people that potentially didn't know anything about us. So I love it. I, you know, some, one of the coolest ones I saw over the pandemic was uh, Vince Neal from Motley Crue. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he fit. I saw him getting his fit <laughs> delivered. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, it, but it, it is, it's really cool. I think we, it's interesting that we live in a, a day and age now where, technology has allowed us to to be closer to people and you know celebrities and, and or people that uh, you know even friends in ways that you know we couldn't even do five years ago i mean the fact that we're doing this podcast here on on zoom you know and you're in north carolina i'm in massachusetts i mean uh you know it's technology has allowed us the ability to to expand into areas that we never we thought possible and and i think um you know, for us, iRacing, we just absolutely love and see that the membership keeps growing. And, you know, every customer is the same, though. You know, everyone provides the same value in the sense that um, they're paying for their membership and, and helping support the business. And I think, you know, we need every single one of them to be able to continue to grow because, you know, everything we do as a company is based on membership growth. So if we keep growing our membership base, that's just more dollars that we're putting in hiring staff and, and, and building a better product and going faster and, and building content. And even now, you know, I think with everything that's happened this year, I think we've really become, you know, the motorsports community was embracing us before, but I think even more so now we've kind of been woven into the fabric of motorsport to the point where, you know, that we're even looking at spinning up a, a commercial business where we're, you know, helping teams uh, prepare for race weekends using the software and creating tools to allow them to do that. You know, we're working with NASCAR on the, the Auto Club project where we've helped them, you know, reprofile um, Auto Club to be, you know, a half, you know, the, the half mile track that. That's now, listen, let me tell you, <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, 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 I'm jumping in there. So I saw all the whispers. Like, how long did you have it in your hands before we all got to hear about this? We, we started working on it in April. Um, so we, you know, we've been in, we were in a loop Man, you very got early good, on. You guys got good security up there because that thing didn't leak at all. Did you have to, like, bring people in and threaten their life? Like, how did you, like, listen, I'm going to hold your car keys, and if this gets out, I'm going to take your car. Well, so basically the only people, there was only four of us inside of iRacing that knew about this. And we, it was basically Greg, Greg had the, Greg Hill who's our VP of uh, product development. Um, he, he was the one that had the most work to do because what, uh, you know, NASCAR had been doing some CAD work and doing the design work. They had the idea yeah, right, pretty right. much already. Um, and so they gave us that data and then get, Greg took that data and, and created the track. But what we did is we put a security mechanism in place that nobody could just stumble upon it yeah, and right. load it up uh, and, and drive it. And still, actually, still as of right now, the only people that have driven it are me and Ben Kennedy so far. So um, <laughs> don't let Dale Jr. hear that. He'll be calling Ben <laughs> Kennedy right now. And be like, just let me try it. Let's just, I just want to make sure you get the transitions right. Let me just, you know, I know how he is. So well, it, it is interesting. It was. It I think it was very valuable uh, to NASCAR because. You know, it's one thing to look at data, like, you know, it might look good, but then once you actually model it and you right. put a car on it, uh, we found a lot of problems that they've gone back now and made changes and then they sent back another version and that we've remodeled it. Um, I did a bunch of testing and Ben did some testing and we, we found some more issues that they've I'm gone back ben and making some changes. And I think we should 
I'm hoping we'll have like the you know pretty close to the final version here in the in the next uh, round that we do of testing. So I'm gonna pick on you right here, but thank goodness Ben has a little bit of truck experience because I don't know if I want to have a whole race <laughs> depending on Steve Meyer's prowess behind the wheel. But uh, it's better than mine. Be pretty quick. I used to be quick in the day. I, I can still get it around. I'm, I'm about half a second off. That's why. Well, that's why well, I'm a second off. Baby. If Sheerburn and I, if my, if Sheerburn, who's my eNASCAR guy, and I jump on a, you know, I could practice all day long, and I'm a second off. So it's, yeah. you know, that's how good those guys are. Steve, look, we could talk all day. Um, I appreciate you jumping on here. Like I said, you're the first return guest. So, uh, uh, man, I'm telling you, that's, I didn't even think about that, but I didn't, I don't know if I want to bestow that, that type of honor on you, but apparently I have, <laughs> um, I, I obviously love talking to you cause I'm a huge, um, iRacing fan. I'm a big, uh, proponent of it. I think it is not, we could talk all we want about the upper tiers. I don't think that's its value. I know, I know the teams talk about it and that's the value as someone who loves racing. I think its entire value is, is the lower. It's the beginners. It's the people that we can show across this country for the opportunity. I want the listeners on here. You know, if you have a child who loves racing, you know, and you're not sure about a yard cart and you're not sure about this, just get an iRacing subscription. Like, just get, like, so, so help. I get this question a lot. What do they really need? They need relatively basic computer. Yeah. And I think it's a lot funner with wheels and a pedal. While you don't have to have that, I think it's a lot more fun. But you're talking basic computer needs. It's, it's, it's not some elaborate gaming computer. No, you, you don't need one of these fancy rigs that you see all the drivers that we're using. I mean, Dale Jr. just used a normal PC and a, and a wheel and pedal set you know, on his desk for many, many years. He only just got a rig this year. And I um, question if yeah. he got slower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and so, but yeah, I mean, if you've bought a, a, a PC, you know, typically a laptop isn't, it isn't going right. to be able to handle the heat. That's yep. the biggest problem with a laptop is it doesn't, uh, it doesn't cool very easily. And, and that's where you can kind of get into a problem. But the, the, you just need a basic PC um, and a wheel and pedal set, which you can just go to Best Buy or Amazon and get yeah. for about $300. Um, you know, most people probably have a PC sitting at home right now that can run the software. Yeah, because everybody switched to a laptop. So just get that deep PC back out. Dust it off, man. Maybe yeah. update the graphics card. Listen, I have the same thing. Steve, I appreciate your time, man. Um, it's a great platform. I love it. It's an open invitation. Any night you want to jump on Discord, I'll text you the next time me and Duggar are on there. Uh, yeah, he keeps man, trying to get me to come race. And I, your man Cake up there, yeah. he's got the pace. I mean, we got a couple of iRacing employees that run with us. They got a lot of pace. So uh, we love to have you on. But I appreciate you joining me, man. It's been great. Great catching up. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right, there you have it. A Pats fan as big as me. That's why he is the second or the first ever repeat because he loves the Patriots. That's Steve Myers, executive VP, executive producer of iRacing. And you have listened to another episode of Latart on location. As always, you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you review, rate, and subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think about the podcast and who I should have on. And maybe that'll be the next guest. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.